Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio, a show just for teens, their parents, and educators to come together and discuss the issues that are affecting our youth today. Your host is Brandy England. Brandy is joined each week by amazing guests, as well as a regular panel of co-hosts who are here to give you ideas and encouragement every step of the way. We also have plenty of other surprises on today's show. So let's get started. Here's your host, Brandy England. Hey everybody, welcome back to Team Wealth Radio. Uh, we have a repeat guest today, and that's because this woman is so fabulous, I had to have her twice. <laughs> She's done a lot in her life, has gone through a lot in her life, and is an activist for a lot of great things. So um, I'm happy to invite Sue Robbins back to our show. So Th- Sue, thank you for coming back and joining us again. Well, thank you for inviting me, Brandy. Thanks. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, we, we had a really great first show and we talked a lot about a completely different aspect of your life. Um, but some people might not have listened to that other show. So do you want to just tell them a little bit about who you are, what you're passionate about, and then we'll jump in from there? Sure. Uh, I'd say, well, first of all, I'm a writer. That's my main thing. Um, and I know last show we talked a lot about how we chose a profession when we were teenagers and then sometimes that changes so I was supposed to be a nurse and I ended up being a writer instead and getting a degree in Shakespeare um, and really following my passion for what I wanted to do Um, I kind of meandered through life just regular until I got divorced and then I got remarried and my uh, second husband and I had a child together and he ended up having a disability so that really introduced me to the whole uh, world of disability and kids and I ended up working in children's hospitals to try to make the experience better for families um, and my last job at children's hospital was here in Vancouver at BC Children's and I left about three years ago and um, after I left everyone said oh you can work on your book now because if you're a writer everybody says you should write a book and, and so <laughs> I said okay and I started writing on my book and they said, oh, when one door closes, because I left my job, another one will open, they said. And so I thought, okay, that, that sounds pretty good. So my door job closed, and, and, and then another door opened, and it was cancer. And so um, and I always thought that other door that was supposed to open was supposed to be something good. I didn't know it was supposed to be something bad. So I ended up... Um, with breast cancer two years ago. Uh, and I think that was the end of our conversation. We kind of got up to that point. So yes, I do a lot of healthcare activism and I call myself a rabble rouser. I like to speak up about positive change in the healthcare world. That's awesome. And and do you do that only through the medium of writing? Like, is that your favorite way to convey your messages is through writing or what, what way do you like to speak about? Are you involved in like local groups and things? Or? Well, yeah, you, I mean, I, um, Right now, I'm mostly doing right. I used to do a lot of public speaking um, at health conferences. And one of the things I talked about, I, I was the family speaker that they brought in. And I was usually the inspiration. They called me the inspirational speaker because I would talk about kindness and compassion in healthcare. That was one of my big uh, topics. And I also talked about um you know, when a child gets diagnosed with something, whatever it was, and for my son, it happened to be Down syndrome, about how language matters a lot and how um, a diagnosis is shared with families is really, really important. So I talk a lot about communication with the physicians and the healthcare crowds about that. So I did a lot of public speaking and I've done a lot of writing. And um, I did finally finish that book (laughs) just a couple (laughs) of months ago. But actually, when I got cancer, I 
canceled all my speaking engagements. So um, to be truthful, this is the first time I've spoken publicly about my cancer experience. So I know that you're going to be gentle with me. So it's it's going to be okay. Um, but I have written about it a lot. It's easier to write because I'm in control and it's my blog or my Twitter feed. And, and so, you know, I'm in control of what I put down. And, and there's something about when you speak up, right, you have an audience and they're there and stuff. And so it's, it's a little more out of your control. So I don't think I've felt safe enough to talk about it yet. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of like this because it's one-on-one, right? So, sure. yeah, it's a good environment. So make sure you ask me lots of questions because this is my first time. I definitely will. That's okay. I mean, so the 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 whole thing behind Teen Wealth was to inspire young people, but also talk about mental health. And, and you've inspired a lot of people with your own journey. And people might say, oh, what does cancer have to do with Teen Wealth Radio? And for me, it's about anything we deal with in life that's difficult. So if there's a teenager out there struggling with their mental health, or maybe it could be an illness or someone in their family that has that illness, it affects a teen's mental health. It affects everyone's mental health. So that's why to me this is such a great conversation that we're having and I'm glad you're allowing us to talk about it because it's a very intimate and personal experience for some people and they don't want to share it. Um, a lot of our students say oh I don't want to tell anyone I have anxiety or I'm depressed because I think there's something wrong with me but mental health is in your brain and it's a, a diseased affected part of your brain and that's the same thing with cancer and I think a lot of people that's why I say to some of the teens they're like oh I don't want to tell anyone and I said but it's not your fault it's if you get cancer you're, that's not your fault. You didn't do anything in your life to acquire cancer and you shouldn't feel ashamed of it. The same thing with mental health. You didn't do anything to ask for depression. It's not like when you were seven and your brain's chemicals started changing that you decided you wanted to have <laughs> depression or whatever it might be. So I think, I think cancer relates to mental health in a lot of ways, but also affects us and our family and how we deal with things. And so if there's a young person out there listening and they have someone in their lives that they love who's going through, whether it's a mental health struggle or cancer, or something else um, maybe your story can give them a little bit of pause to reflect and, and maybe know how to deal with things so uh, I think I appreciate that you're taking our this to, this time to discuss it for the first time with us publicly it's, it's I appreciate that a lot um, so like tell me the story at the beginning I mean you've gone through some interesting things in your life but what was cancer a hard stop on that life when everything came along or did you just have to slowly deal with it and how did you find out that you had it like where did that all start uh, yeah, I'd say it was a hard stop. I, I like to say it was my great reckoning. <laughs> so I've been through, you know, divorce, having a kid with disability, and really cancer is what stopped me in my tracks. And, you know, it's it was it brought me to my knees. That's what I like to say about it. So there's a, also a huge mental health component of cancer, I think, that people forget about sometimes. And it actually really messes with your head looking at your own mortality and going through cancer treatment. There's a lot of um, trauma that comes with that, like trauma, like medical trauma that happens in the hospital because of the nature of the treatment too. So, um, uh, so yeah, I was, I was just going about my life doing pretty, pretty well. Like I, I'd left, like I said, I left my job at the children's hospital. I'd started to work on my book. Um, you know, which was kind of one of my bucket list things. So I was chipping away at that. And um, just one day I was lying in bed with my husband and we were watching Netflix and, you know, I had my hand kind of over my heart and I could feel a lump. So it was just kind of a classic breast cancer um, beginning, I guess. And I thought, oh, it's probably nothing. And I just ignored it, which is what people do. And, 
you know, that's, and it could have been nothing. That's called denial. And that's something very common, right? That, that I thought I'd wait a month and see if it was still there. So I, I mean, actually, the first thing I did, of course, went to Google to see what I should do. And I think Google did say, you know, with women, it could be cyclical and maybe you should wait a month. So I waited a month and it was still there um, a month later. And so I made an appointment to go see my doctor. Um, And then she said, because I was 48 uh, and for some of your viewers that might seem old, but for cancer, it's kind of in the middle. It's actually not that old. So um, you don't get regular mammograms in our province until you're 50. So I had never had a mammogram. So she said, well, if you're worried about it, I'll send you for a mammogram. So that um, kind of started this ball, what I call a ball rolling down the hill of a whole bunch of diagnostic testing and ended up in a biopsy. And, and then they take a section of your breast and they send it away to find out if it is malignant or benign. And it came back that it was malignant. So that was on February 6th, two years ago. So 2017. Hmm. February 6th. So that's a day that you're probably going to remember for a long time, right? Funny how I notice as people with cancer, we uh, we do a lot of countdowns and, you know, we, I had 20 radiation treatments and then like, and then I had eight, you know, we count, I don't know, there's something about the numbers, right? So there are some dates that we get stuck. So the date that you're diagnosed is very significant mm-hmm. of whatever. Like I, I was thinking too, like yeah, your, your audience might like, they might have parents or grandparents that have experienced cancer, but then it could be about other stuff too. Like, you know, lots of people have like MS or diabetes or other chronic kind of diseases. And, I think there's a lot of commonalities between, you know, any kind of life-threatening disease or unexpected news as far as your health. And so it doesn't necessarily just have to be about cancer. So I think that day of diagnosis is a very significant day because it's really, you know, you kind of hold out hope that it's not going to be right up until when your doctor calls you and when you find out when you are, you're just like totally on a different path. That's what ends up happening. And and like when that when that all kind of happens, do you do you look back at family history and go, oh, or do you do you start to go, oh, did I do something wrong? Did I eat the wrong things? Did I live the long lifestyle? Like, or were you educated enough about cancer? Because I know some people start to go, ooh, it must have been something I did. Or a lot of people believe in things like karma where you, you believe that maybe you did something bad. And does, does your brain go through all that? Because I know a lot of our teens that struggle with anything mental health, right. they try and figure out what they did. Like even when your parents divorce, they're like, oh, was it my fault? Did I, was I not a good enough kid? And, and I think we have to realize that it wasn't us most of the time. It's just right. stuff that happens. It's crappy. So did you ever go through that? Like talking about your own mortality and all that thinking about your past or did oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. The why, I think the why question is a natural one that everybody goes through. Like why trying to figure out why it happened and struggling with that. And, and, you know, just, and I guess reconciling that in your own head, like you, every, I think we all come up with our own stories about the why piece of it. I think what is harmful is a lot of, external people to us also kind of do the blaming thing too like they want to know they're like I remember one person saying to me oh maybe after your treatment's done you'll live a healthier lifestyle and I'm like so that is kind of implying that I didn't have a healthy lifestyle and that's why I had cancer and there's like there's lots I can say about that because 
people are try to distance themselves, right? That's what they try to do is they say, well, you like say if I had smoked and I got lung cancer, then everyone says, well, we blame it on the smoking and I don't smoke, so I'm not going to get lung cancer. But it doesn't really actually work that way. Like random stuff happens to people, like seemingly healthy people too. And people who aren't healthy and does it make it okay? Like, do I deserve to have cancer because I smoke too, right? Like I'd like to like just... Anyways, it's it's kind of com- it's a complicated thing for sure. Yeah, I agree. Well, the the oldest woman on earth is um I mean, well, she just passed away a couple of years ago, but she was 117 and smoked two packs of cigarettes since she was 14. So I I think it's a lot more to do with that. So uh, we do have to go to commercial break, but we'll be right back with more great questions with Sue, everyone. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. If you missed the first part, we're talking to Sue Robbins about an experience she went through in life that uh, a lot of people these days go through. And it's it's a tough one, but it's something that needs to be talked about it. And it's about cancer. Uh, she was a guest on our show before, and she's got a lot of great things to say. And, and this is our first time really talking in public about what that experience was like. So we're being gentle on her because uh, she's such a lovely human. <laughs> um, but I, I really want to go back to what we were kind of going through talking about at the very beginning um so when you first found out that you had cancer and you started telling people in your in your life um what what were some of the reactions that you got from people and what advice would you give to people on how to respond when someone they love has has cancer or 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 finds out they have any kind of terminal disease or anything 
Well, I um, it's hard to tell people. I have mm-hmm. to tell you because you end up having to look after them too. You know, so because they're upset as well, and then you trying to think of things to comfort them, and it's like it's actually pretty horrible the telling I mean luckily nowadays we have email and blogs and things like that that you can I mean I think I I did put up a blog post so that kind of people who knew me but were more associates rather than close friends could read about it on there as Mm -hmm. opposed to me having to go through all my contacts and contact everyone and tell them and I remember I had a friend who uh, found out about it on in- Instagram. I, I don't know, I posted something in the hospital and I'd forgotten to tell her directly. And uh, she was really mad at me too. She was like, how come you didn't tell me? And blah, blah. I was like, oh God, like this whole telling people is a thing that needs to be managed that I hadn't even mm-hmm. thought about actually. But I mean, the hardest part about that is of course, is my children. And mm-hmm. I'd probably say that was the hardest part about the whole year was having to phone them and tell them I had cancer because I knew that it would hurt them so badly. And as a mother, you don't want to do that to your children, like ever. Like you try to protect them from harm and hurting them and, and knowing that this was, there was nothing I could do about it, that just the fact of it was going to be painful to them was a really, really hard thing for me. So I, um, because two of my kids are they're adults and they live away. My one of my my sons in the states and my daughter lives the next province over. So I had to phone them. Like I I didn't have them in person to tell them. And I also had to tell Aaron who has Down syndrome. And I mean, cancer is hard to explain to anybody. So mm-hmm. being very straightforward about it and 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 it was hard to tell him because there were certain things we didn't know, right? Like it, he, he's kind of a concrete thinker because yes. intellectual disability. And so I, I, I kind of lied to him and said, mom is going to be sick and go to the hospital, but she's not going to die. I actually said that. And I think if it had come to a point where I am going to die, we're going to have to sit down and have another conversation with him. But I knew that that would be something he would think about right away. And I thought we just had to kind of tackle that head on and, just give them a simple story that I have lots of appointments. I'd be going to the doctor a lot, but that I'm not going to die. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just realized that telling you that we lied to him and maybe that's not a good thing to do. But anyways, we did what we thought was best at the time. And, and of course, for my other kids, they knew that that was a possibility, right? So yeah. that's why it was so hard to tell them. It was awful, actually. So I made sure both they had their partners they live with people both of them that they weren't home alone when I talked to them at least but other than that there was nothing I could really do yeah not cause pain with that news you know I I, I'm gonna veer off cancer for a second and talk about something because I think so many parents try and protect their kids from harm like you were saying whether it's from from anything and and I'm always curious because I had really great parents. I still have them. They're still here, I should say. And they, they, they protected me from everything. And, and so much so that I feel like when the world hit me, it hit me harder than I would have liked. <laughs> I think I, it took me a lot more adjusting. And so I was curious, because you've done so many great things in your lifetime. Were there, were there moments when you're like, looking back now that two of your kids are, are full grown adults and, and moved out and everything, were there moments when you looked and went, oh, maybe I shouldn't have protected them so much from that? Because I, the world is such a shitty, scary place, excuse my friend, right now that 
I, I, sometimes it's like, do do we protect them 100%? And do you have any thoughts on that after this whole experience? I, yeah, I do. I do. I actually think there's this kind of parenting. It's It was big in the 90s because my kids are in their 20s now. So I was a mom in the 90s. And, and it's called benign neglect. And the idea is like, I don't, you don't helicopter, you don't, whatever they call it, snow plowing now. Either, right now, like they're moving the snow out of the way for your kids so they can walk down a clear path. So there's never any difficulties in their life. And benign neglect is kind of like, okay, you're, we're all living our lives together. I'm not going to ever, I never talked to them like they were little babies or anything. I kind of dragged them around doing stuff like I did. I wasn't that good at sitting on the floor playing Lego and stuff. So, you know, we went grocery, we did stuff together. Like that's kind of how I raised them is doing stuff together. And, and I, and, and when their dad and I split up, you know, they had to go on the bus to go visit their dad. Like that was just part of that. And so I think they were forced to become independent. And, and then I had this kid with a disability with my second husband. And so I didn't, couldn't put a hundred percent of my attention into them, but I, think that that was a good thing not a bad thing because they became they might disagree if they're listening they can text me and let me know but they might disagree but it made them very resourceful people like they're super resourceful like they can kind of figure they can macgyver anything they can figure anything out and I think it's because I wasn't so much the helicopter parent Mm -hmm. although the thing about the cancer thing was it was I felt like I was causing them harm. Like I was actually hurting them. And both of them were kind of mad at me that I said that because they said, it's the cancer, mom. It's not you. But because I was the person with it, I felt a lot of guilt about causing them harm directly. Mm -hmm. But I think that my older two would say that I was pretty hands-off parent, which is why I think they both moved out early and successfully and, you know, Mm -hmm have their own lives and stuff but I see a lot of parents not doing that nowadays that they're they're very intertwined with their kids identity and lives and they have a hard time unwinding that um but you're you know that whole give them roots and then set them free like you're you're supposed to attach early when your kids are little yeah it's a gradual setting them free that's what parenting to me is that's my parenting style but I know not everybody kind of believes in that like my kids aren't supposed to be mini me's or be or be better than me right to do something yeah. in life that I didn't do right like I just never felt that way about them but I know I did hurt them with the cancer part and sometimes there's just hurt in the world and there's nothing you can do about it did you hear that though you still if so somebody always trains me that I always say things like yeah, for the hope things, and then one of my one of my board members for my nonprofit, he says to me, he's like, Brandon, you have to stop saying that. And you just said that, like you just worded it where blamed you for the cancer, you blame you for the cancer, as opposed to the cancer, like your kids told you. But it's amazing. It's I think it's a sign of a good heart. Like I think we want a good person wants to protect and love, and so we take the blame on ourselves. But that's also so damaging to ourselves and our mental health because it, it it's I think it sticks with you, and then the words that we say that come out of our mouth we don't even realize and I love it when guests on the radio show call me out like I had a few people over the years go you know what Brandy the way you said that is not politically correct and I was like oh crap please tell me because the things that come out of our mouth we don't always think about before they come out but a lot of them are very harmful to us so it's it's interesting the way you phrase that because it, it sounded like again you were blaming yourself for something that you know you 
can't be blamed for. <laughs> I'm probably still carrying that around. Okay, I have a therapist appointment next week, so I'm going to bring this forward with her. Because I think you're right. Like, I think you're right. Like, as I... Like that, I haven't talked this through necessarily. So I realize I do probably feel a lot of guilt about causing them. And also my husband, my husband who's been, you know, my rock, like a total rock. And it has, he was the one that was here all the time. Right. So I, I think that he also went through a lot with it. And I do feel guilty about that. There's a, you know, whether you call it survivor's guilt or whatever, I guess I haven't, I, the weird thing too about my breast cancer, breast cancer in general is you don't feel sick. Like you don't have any symptoms necessarily, except I had this like lump in my breast, but it didn't hurt or anything. And mm-hmm. so what makes you sick is the treatment. So mm-hmm. you go into the hospital and they, they cut into you, they poison you, they, yeah. they, you know, they burn you with radiation, like, and that's what makes you sick. So when I was telling people I had cancer, I actually like physically felt yeah. totally fine. Like it was the weirdest disconnected thing. I have to say, I mean, some people do have symptoms and stuff with different kinds of cancers. So it, they actually feel like they're sick, but otherwise it's just like, I felt like I was like inflicting this harm on them. And it was almost like I couldn't believe it myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel sick. Yeah. So there's probably a stage that you go through with that too. And once you start treatment, then you're like, oh, okay, I guess I must be sick, even though I don't feel that way because they're, you know, doing surgery on me and stuff. Yeah. But it's a weird thing. It messes with your mind, Brandy. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, uh, that's my contention. Yeah, I, I, it is. It's interesting. Well, yeah. So the, the words that you had said, sorry, it popped back into my head when I shut up and started listening again, was I hurt them with the cancer. And so like you didn't, you, that's, I guess, yeah, definitely be great for your therapy session because you didn't hurt them with the cancer. The cancer hurt them with the cancer. But I love how it takes us saying something out loud and our family and friends that love us going, um, no, no, no. <laughs> and I just wish that every kid that was listening. So we have about a minute and a half before we go to commercial break, but Talk to me about um, courage. Like, wh- what gave you the courage to be able to say, I have cancer to them? Like, was there something that you were able to think about or put in perspective? Or you're just like, Sue, God damn it, you just have to tell people. <laughs> like, where did that courage come from? Do you, do you have an answer for that? Or <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one. I'd say I, I, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't offload it to anybody. Mm-hmm. I couldn't send them a text I had to phone you know what I mean the best I could do was phone them like ideally I would have seen them in person but I guess you know you just do what you have to do like I was terrified I don't know if that was the I don't know it was like horrible I maybe it was fear I don't I'm not sure exactly what I was scared of exactly but they were hard hard phone calls Mm. hard because I could see the pain like as I was saying it the pain yeah. that cancer call caused, I could see it and hear it, you know, in their voices. One of them was videos, so I could see them. But anyway, yeah, it it sucked. So, yeah, people who have to tell other people that they have cancer. I mean, having someone else do it for you, like my husband ended up telling a bunch of people for me. Because yeah. it was, it was, that was a bit of a gift for me. But, of course, I would tell my own kids, right? But mm-hmm. other people, I kind of let him do that because it's hard work. Yeah. Well, we'll have to bring him on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to go to commercial break. Everyone will be right back uh, finishing chatting with Sue. 
think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. We're here talking with Sue Robbins about her life-changing experience of having cancer and all the different things that she's done in her life and what she's trying to do with all the things that she's learned from her incredible life experiences. And it's very brave of her to come on here and and chat about it because it's not that easy for all of us to talk about things. Um, A lot of us don't want to tell people that we love the the pain that we're going through. And so we keep that inside and that can also be more painful for us. So I'm curious, Sue, when when you um, told people that you had cancer, and and they reacted is there something that you've learned from that where you can teach people how to possibly react or what to say or a better way to help their friend go through something I think the best thing to do is to take the person's lead and what people do is they say a bunch of stuff because they're afraid of silence so they think they need to say something to make the person other person feel better Mm -hmm. and those don't work like they kind of fail miserably uh, or people just start talking and they'll tell you about, you know, their grandma that had the same cancer and died from it. That happens a lot to hear about all the terrible cancer. Like people are like, oh, okay, she has cancer. I'll give them my cancer story. Right. And they do that. And that's, that's not helpful. We, it's, that's not good. We don't want to hear about that. I have to say so. Um, and, or people will uh, minimize it. You know, there's a, there's, a lot of people will say blah blah blah, but at least it's not this, right? Like, and so I think to make themselves feel better, they the people will do a lot of minimizing. Or you know, if you have breast cancer, people think, oh, it's no big deal, it's just breast cancer, because because it's heard of so much, and there's so much, there's almost too much awareness around breast cancer. I think it's um it's kind of get shrugged off then that way, and and so mm-hmm. you know, always remember to the person that actually has the cancer. It's a big deal. Like even if it's not a big deal to you or you don't want it to be a big deal, 
the person who has cancer, I guarantee it's a big deal and there's probably nothing else they can think about. So, um, and you know, the brave and strong thing, I kind of have a, a, a bit of a catch 22 about that. Like when we're, encouraged to be brave and strong all the time it means that we're not allowed to be sad and we're not allowed to be scared Mm. and so we learn quickly that that we have to pretend to be brave and strong and it's actually exhausting especially Mm. when you're going through treatment and um but there's this whole cancer persona right the survivor thing the warrior thing the and oh god the language like around the fighting i i i i do not like it when I see headlines that say someone lost their battle with cancer, mm. it's like, so that person's a loser because they died. And then the, those of us who are alive are winners. Like I, there's a lot of the terminology around it. I find is troublesome. I, I have to say. And, and so really just, I mean, if the person says, Oh yeah, I'm fighting cancer. I'm battling it. Then yeah, go with their language. But I wouldn't make any assumptions. That's what I would say. I would kind of like, see where the person's at and, and, and like follow their lead. I think that's most important and be okay with sitting in silence and just being there with the person is important. And you don't have to fill up all, all the space with talking all the time because inevitably you will put your foot in your mouth then. Yes. I do it all the time. I get it. (laughs) Um, So, so, okay. So that's immediately when you explain to someone, family or friends, uh, what you're going through and it can be anything, not just doesn't have to be cancer. Just anything you struggle with telling someone, but what about over time? So you, it was a two year process for you while you went through treatment or how long was it? No, I was, I was six months uh, and I'm going to watch my language. So I don't minimize myself because I actually didn't get chemo. So mm-hmm. I had surgery and mm-hmm. then I had 20 rounds of radiation. So okay. nowadays, I didn't know any of this beforehand, but nowadays that, you know, the science and the research is so good that they can, you know, that they take out your tumor and they look at it in pathology and they can figure out what kind of tumor it is very specifically. And so they tailor the treatment now. They don't just throw everything at people like they used to. Mm-hmm. So if you have certain types and stages of breast cancer, um, then you don't necessarily need chemo treatment. So I didn't need chemo because chemotherapy can cause more harm than it can do good if you're early stage cancer because it is poison to your body and has like long-term effects. So I didn't, I didn't need it. And then so many people said, Oh, you're so lucky. You didn't need chemo. And I'm not saying I'm not lucky. And, and that certainly is a really horrific experience to go through, but I didn't feel that lucky. Like I kind of felt like a, I guess I was a lucky, unlucky person because I still had cancer and I still had to go through radiation and for me, that part was pretty bad because I didn't know any different, right? Like, you know, so that that was my treatment. Is is so it was only about six months, and then I'd say like the, and then you're busy with the treatment, right? And you kind of get like, okay, I got an appointment. You go to all these doctors appointments, and you got to drive back and forth to the hospital. It keeps you really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and after it's all done and they're like, okay, you're finished. Then the mental health stuff really comes up because I think I put it on hold for a while while I was just getting through this treatment. Right. I got very concerned like the physical part was important. And then afterwards I was like, holy hell, like what just happened to me? And mm-hmm. so at that point I got myself a good therapist and who I still go to two years later. So 
it doesn't, cancer doesn't really ever end. I just like to put it that way. People think it does, but I still get scans and yeah, yeah, it can come back, right? Yeah, absolutely. With that, we, we live with that part of it. Well, and I, I like how you talked about chemotherapy and radiation and, and different levels, but to you, radiation was a big deal because you hadn't, as opposed to like chemo. I think a lot of us um, do that with a lot of things in our life, like where we have a, an issue that we're going through, but we're like, oh, I shouldn't put that much importance on it because somebody else is going through a bigger one. But whatever you're going through is what you're going through. And that's your hard time. Like, yes, we'll go through harder times and yes, we'll go through easier times, but I think there's a sense of shame that we have. Like you talked about guilt a little bit earlier. There's a sense of this for some, for some of us and a lot of us, I think it's true where we have this kind of shame about not being able to deal with whatever it is. But even if it's just a breakup, like I say just to break up now, I've been through somewhere. I wanted to spend three months in bed eating Haagen-Dazs and bawling my eyes out. And then I went, Oh my God, there's people with cancer. There's people struggling with legitimate clinical depression. There's people dying in wars. And so we tend to minimize that, but that breakup or that, radiation or whatever it is could be that's the biggest thing in your life at that time and I think sometimes we're I think again going back to that word shame we have like this shame of of all that and and I I have a few young people in in our group that that are like I I I want to cry but I just don't want to cry and I said it's okay to cry go and cry your eyes out for an hour just don't wallow in the crying for the next week because that's when it becomes dangerous but it's so important and I love when people like you are brave enough to come and share your story whether you think you're brave or not it's because we do If, if we all started talking about all the crap and all the stuff we're afraid to talk about I think it would be so much easier for us all just to say hey, I'm having a bad day, this is why, whether it's the breakup, the cancer, whatever it might be. So I'm, I'm kind of glad you, you brought that up because I just, I wish more people, like there was this quote I saw about 10 years ago and it's something I live by now. And it was, if we knew each other's secrets, what comfort we would find. And a lot of people are like, ooh, that's scary, but I love it because if you knew the worst things about me and I knew the worst things about you and we were okay with it, then we could move on in a very peaceful way. But it's when we hold all this stuff in that we get all this turmoil. So it, it's okay to cry. It's not okay to, to wallow in it because that's when it becomes detrimental to your mental health, right? So. Yeah. I think we get stuck. <laughs> Being stuck part and not moving through, that's that's what happens. But allowing the feelings to come out, I think, is, is I agree. Like, you know, when you say, oh, you're so, people say you're so brave and strong. It's like, oh, so, like, what's implied in that is I'm not allowed to cry. I'm not allowed to be scared. Like, where can I, am I allowed to do that? And you can't at the hospital. Like, they don't really consider mental health stuff at all at the hospital. They just worry about your tumor. Like, I say, you know, at the cancer hospital, my tumor was treated very well, very yeah. well. But the rest of me was <laughs> totally forgotten. And so, you know, that that even there it was minimized. So, and I, I had a friend who whose partner just got diagnosed with a, a, a low stage of cancer. And, and she said, oh, it's just stage blah, blah. And I said, but cancer is still cancer. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care what stage it is. Like, like. Just the saying, oh, it's only this, it's just this. Like, I think we're trying to come, maybe we're trying to protect ourselves from, like, feeling those big feelings, but they're still inside of us, right? Like, I I think that's one thing I've learned from therapy that, you know, you, you, there's nothing wrong with expressing our feelings, like our whole gamut of feelings and this whole, well, we have to be happy all the time. And in breast cancer, there's a lot of that in the advertising. If you look at, you know, yeah, and all the pink stuff and everything. There's 
a lot of pressure, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And where's the whole, like I said, warrior thing and stuff. It's like, well, what am I allowed to be sad? Like, yeah. that, you know, that I, you know, I have part of my breast has been taken from me. Like, I, like, like that's, it's okay to sit with that for a while. That's what I think. Like you said, but not if you're feeling stuck and getting stuck or ruminating on things over and over again, like that's why I started to go to therapy because of that, because you can get stuck in this stuff because it is very mucky and dark too. And the thing about us not talking about our secrets to each other, it makes us more isolated and alone. Like I hardly had anybody I could talk to. And so that's why going to a mental health professional is so helpful because I could talk to her and she wasn't freaking out at me because I had cancer. Like, she, you know, she's a professional. It didn't upset her in the same way that it would have upset my family, right? Yeah. And and I think, I think that's what everyone talks about, whether they're going through a mental health struggle or a parent's divorce or a cancer or anything, that it's a very lonely experience, even though you have a hundred people like acquaintances, friends and family all coming together to give you sympathy and love and all that kind of thing. It's still, you're very isolated. I think that goes for, for anything. How did you, like, do you have any advice on people that might know someone that's going through something on how to make them feel like they're not lonely or know that they're not alone because it, it is such a lonely experience? Cool. I think I think there's lots of practical things you can do, like check in with people, just regular and random. That's nice. And I'd say, because we talked about people's reaction when I was first diagnosed, and oh my God, our condo was like full of flowers, full of cards. Like, like it looked like, I mean, this is kind of ironic, like somebody had died or something. Like I had so many gifts. People sent me stuff. Like I was very appreciative of all of it. I really, really was. And some of it was lovely. Somebody quilted me a quilt, like, you know, very heartfelt gifts that people sent, which are appreciated for sure. But after that week, it all disappeared. Like it was all, it's like after somebody dies, right? And the hard part was after that, right? Not necessarily at the time. So people think, Oh, I sent my present, my flowers, and now I'm done with it. And then they were afraid to ask, I think, how I was doing. Maybe they didn't want to necessarily hear the answer. So kind of this ongoing touches, I think, are really important. And doing practical things for people and finding out kind of what is your biggest worry and asking people because it would be different for everyone. So for me, it was that I would... I, I would not be, I'd be at the hospital. I wouldn't be able to pick up my son from school. Like mm-hmm. care was a huge thing for me. And, and, and so I was like desperate to find people or my husband was with me. Like we don't have family that are supportive in town. Right. So it was like, so I had to, I laid awake at night about this. So somebody, if they had asked me, what was your biggest concern? I said, can you help pick up Aaron? Right. Like yeah. that's really what I needed. So I think asking people and being practical about it, not just this, freaking thoughts and prayers thing which doesn't help us like it's not it's nothing it's like like all dismissive it's almost dismissive right so yeah or like bring some food like there are things that like food is helpful for people I I remember people who brought over food and appreciated that for sure ask about my husband because Mm -hmm. someone forgot about him Mm -hmm. he was going through a hard time too and my kids right yeah not just put the focus on me that's yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought that up that's a very good point um we're gonna go to our last commercial break but we're gonna talk a little bit about therapy because a lot of people are afraid to go to a therapist or talk to someone and admit their stuff which is kind of what we've been warming up to so we'll be back in just a moment with sue everyone 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are tuned in to teen wealth radio to join in the conversation send an email to brandy at globalteenwealth.com That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, everyone. We have about six minutes left with the lovely Sue, and she is talking to us about an experience in her life that was a a tough one, but she's um, talking about kindness and compassion in healthcare now. And and Sue, you kind of reminded me when you said that before about Patch Adams. I know it's based off of a real story, but when he was learning his patients' names, and everyone else is like, why are you doing that? Um, can you talk to me just a moment before we talk about what therapy has been like for you and how it's helped you about how you are trying to help create more kindness and compassion in healthcare? Because I know that's something we're lacking in a lot of our doctors and nurses. Yes, this is one of my favorite topics. So when I um, did speaking at health conferences, that's what I talked about in children's health. And then when I got cancer, I kind of had, that's what I was writing my book about. I kind of had to, I had to stop reading my, writing my book because I wasn't actually experiencing kindness in my cancer care um, when I went to the cancer hospital. And it was this huge disconnect because I thought, I made this assumption, oh, I have cancer. Like, that's pretty serious. Like, people will be nice to you when you go to the hospital, right? Like, I was so naive in retrospect because what happens at the cancer hospital, the people that work there are used to people with cancer all the time. Like it's not, it's such not a big deal to them, but 
And they had, they don't, I mean, even the ladies in the parkade, I can remember trying to get their eye, like make eye contact with them when I was driving out, like after I was done my treatment, you know, just for them to say hi to me or something like to make some sort of connection and how they would never look or talk to me and how I was like, I felt so invisible. And I think there's lots of patients walking around those cancer hospitals that feel invisible because the health professionals have they don't have a good understanding about how it feels to have cancer. And if they did, the experience would be so much better. Like, you know, like even in the waiting room before I waited, this was in 2017 and Trump had just been elected. And so he was on CNN with Sean Spicer and stuff like all the time. And they would have, we'd be sitting waiting to go into our radiation treatment. The radio turned up, or the TV turned up really loud, and that's what we were sitting there listening to before we went. Like, this is a bunch of cancer. Like, why not put on some nice, quiet music? Like, but even the physical environment would be totally changed if you consider what the patient feels like and put that mm-hmm. in the middle. So that's what my book ended up. My second half of my book is about being a patient and having cancer. And so I talk about a lot of those things about how those small kindnesses can make a huge difference to the person experience. And actually that's what heals us. I think like they say, maybe not with cancer, but medicine can cure, but really it's the kindness that heals people. Mm -hmm. I really believe that strongly. And and, and you, I, I mean, I've heard, I've been to those like lifting up business conferences and all these kind of things. And and you've heard about the stories of someone that found out they were in stage four cancer and all of a sudden they quit their job, moved to the countryside and went hiking every day and ate raw vegetables and all of a sudden they didn't have cancer anymore. So I think there's a lot to do with what's in your heart and your soul as you're going through all of this. And that's why it's so important to talk about it because I think it's very similar to, to mental health. It's kind of what you bring into yourself that helps. But therapy, it's it's something I, I'm, I'm glad you're willing to talk about because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't see a therapist. I don't need to talk to anybody. We all need to talk to somebody. I don't care if it's about the breakup, the cancer, the depression, whatever it is. And sometimes as a, as a young person, like teenagers, they're very scared to stand up and say, hey, I need to talk to someone or they don't have the rights to. I know some teens in the States, 15, 16, and 17 years old in different states cannot go and get help without their parents' consent. And if your parent doesn't understand what you're going through and they don't see that that's something that I mean, you're, that's a very lonely time. And you have to know that anyone that's listening, it's you don't have to feel that alone because there's a lot of us going through that. But if you are fortunate enough to talk to someone or reach out to the therapist, um, just tell us, Sue, a little bit about your experience and how it's helped you and, and if there's any shame behind th- seeing a therapist, which I don't feel that there ever should be, but some people do. I I, I love my therapist. Like, I, I go see her, like, all... Well, not all the time. I I So what happens is... The cancer hospital does give you four appointments to go see somebody to talk about your cancer if you know how to fill out the form right. So I was like, are you, you know, the the form says, are you feeling depressed or sad or down or blah, blah. So I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And so they're like, okay, you can go see somebody for four sessions. But the thing about therapy is four sessions is not very much and you kind of just start getting into stuff. And so after I was done, my last appointment, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Like I, I need to keep talking to somebody. It's like a Pandora's box has been opened about my life and I can't just walk away from it now. And so she, um, she kind of, they don't like to give recommendations at the hospital, but anyway, I managed to get the name of a cancer supportive agency out of her. And I, I started to go see a therapist that was there 
And uh, she herself had been through cancer, which mm. and she was a therapist. And she was a therapist before, and then she went back to it after she was done treatment. And that was very, very helpful because she understood how it felt mm-hmm. and some of our, you know, funny fears about being triggered and having, you know, post-traumatic stress trauma responses because of what happened to us in the hospital and stuff. So I, I find her going to her because she understands and she's not judgmental and she's not freaking out about me maybe dying one day, like say my husband would be or my good friend or my kids is such a, it's, it's, it's healed me. That's what's healed me. Actually, none of the medical stuff. It's been being able to do this talk uh, with her in a non-judgmental space. She's like my paid friend, even though she's not a friend, and she acts very professionally. Yeah. But kind of how I think of her. I don't have to worry about asking about her and how she's feeling and stuff, right? So I'm able to share openly with her, which I really, really appreciate. It's like a, a valve. Like I'm able to open the valve and let some of that steam out. Otherwise, it would all just be inside of me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would be healthy. Mm-hmm. I- come out in other ways I see lots of people who are angry all the time and I think it's because they haven't allowed some of that stuff to come out they just jamming it all inside Mm, I completely I completely agree I actually had a day when I cracked because (laughs) I have I mean that's what I do on a daily basis is is listen to other people with their struggles and I I'm I've always been like that rock (laughs) I had the day when I that anger came out and I put a hole through a wall we need to talk about this now so I, I appreciate you so much we we have 30 seconds before we go so I just want to make sure that if anyone wants to learn more about you you can go see her Instagram which is how I stalked her until she would come on the radio show <laughs> it's at bird's eye view book her Instagram and then Twitter it's Sue Robbins YVR so S-U-E-R-O-B-I-N-S-Y-V-R and uh, I'll put all this information in the bio below the radio show as well Sue thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your experience thank you Brandy I appreciate it maybe we'll have to have you back for a third show because you're so fabulous thanks everyone we'll see you same time same place next week have a good week for being part of Teen Wealth Radio. Please join your host, Brandy England, her guests, and panel of experts again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you here for the next show. 